0: 7 of The Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into The Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and unfortunately my my co-host Tom isn't able to join us this week. He's once again in the cooler. But joining me today is Dana Nachman, award-winning documentary director. Welcome back to the show, Dana.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun having you on the show. You know, we, we had a great time yesterday, and hopefully we'll, we'll enjoy ourselves uh, talking about The Great Escape for the rest of this week. Episode 57 starts off with Henley showing Mac what goodies he's got and goes all the way till Cavendish looking at Frick as he passes by while they are all carolling. This scene is, is a continuation of what we were discussing yesterday, where Mac comes into the office, uh, comes into Henley's room and starts showing him all the, all the goodies that he's able to pick up from, from a lot of the other POWs in order to use it presumably to barter or bribe or whatever you want to call it that they're trying to do. Yesterday, we finished the minute with Mac uh, listing off a whole bunch of things that, 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 uh, that he found. And then Henley reaches back and pulls out of the closet tin can. And he says, Danish butter, von Lugers, liberate, liberated it from the mess supplies. So I, I just find it really funny that, you know, the commandant of the entire camp, you know, has his own supply of, of butter, you know, of Danish butter.
1: <laughs> sounds yummy
0: yeah it does i mean it, it, i don't know how yummy it would be if when you open up that tin can i mean that that's a, a lot of butter in there <laughs> you know it's not it's not like it's it, you know you get the uh, mazola containers these days they're they're relatively small i mean this is this is a pretty big can yeah of butter i guess i guess that was that was before they were really you know too concerned about uh, their cholesterol i guess yeah by finding different ways to, to use up uh, the butter. Now, what's interesting is, is in the script, it actually, in the original script, it, it mentioned, it explains to us why it's known that this is von Luger's butter, because apparently it has a stamp on it that, that uh, mentions the fact that it's, in German, it says on it, officers mess only. Yeah. You know, which I guess that means only the officers are allowed to get the butter. The, the... The interesting thing, though, is, is that why would they then assume that it's that is only von Luger's? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can understand it if it's all the officers get this, uh, you know, get get to have their their spread of butter, you know, during their meals, <laughs> but to specifically say that it's von Luger's, I mean, I guess from a from a humorous perspective, it makes sense. Yeah,
1: and it makes it more. Specific. You know, saying
0: I'm exactly, I'm able to 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 get the commandant's butter. You know, not just the regular from the officers. Yeah. So I, I, I found that interesting. And then Mac counters that. First of all, he, he looks a little surprised and pleased at the same time. And then he goes, oh, wait a second. I forgot that I have two other things in this in this box. Now, this box isn't that big. Yeah. You'd think that he would notice that there's something in there, especially given the fact that, you know, he pulls out two large pieces uh two large uh, packages of 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 chocolate one that's uh bright blue and one that's bright red my assumption is is that one is probably uh, bitter chocolate and the other one is uh, milk chocolate
1: yeah so was that that was in the original script
0: what did he take out the chocolate
1: that he uh, had two things left
0: No, no 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 i'm just my point is is that that you know here he's taking everything out of the box that we talked about yesterday and then he doesn't notice that he has two other things in the box right
1: yeah, he's surprised. No, yeah, like, oh,
0: here, look. I, I forgot that I have something else here. Yeah, yeah. So I just found that funny, and and I, it's it's really interesting the 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 choice of color for the for the bars of chocolate. You know. Yeah,
1: I really noticed that when I first watched it because everything else had such muted colors. Um, so then to have these two bright things, they really pop in the. I liked that about the um, the the scene.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they, they they do that really well, and the I love the contrast of it also. I mean, if I don't know if you noticed this, but I mean, you have the two the two uh, packages of, of chocolate. You have a blue one, you have a red one, and the, he places them on a white pack. You know, other another white package that was there. So basically, he's putting American colors into it. So Sturgis is, is I guess, in some ways trying to to give us subliminal messages. You know that that these may be British officers, but they're still Americans that are involved. You know, America is involved in making this movie.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's so interesting. It's a good way to.
0: Yeah. And uh, and it really stands uh, out.
1: Yeah, for sure. Definitely.
0: So I I found that to be very interesting. Now in, in the script, there's another scene that, another thing that happens here, which is a little strange. And I, I understand why they, uh, why they pulled it out. They basically show that, that Henley is enticed by the by, the chocolate, you know, and he's, he's considering, you know, pilfering it for himself. I mean, the, the, wow, script,
1: that doesn't seem right.
0: the... No, because the the script basically says, Henley holds one of the beautifully packaged chocolate bars, fights temptation, literally drooling. <laughs> McDonald comes back into the room and says, Henley, we know your intentions are honorable, but the flesh is weak. Should you happen to liberate any of that stuff, there will be a Yankee part spread all over the compound. <laughs> So again, I'm, I'm glad they took that, that, that part out because it just doesn't fit in with what we know of Henley. But it's interesting that they wanted to put that in there. You know, here you have someone who his job is to, you know, steal and pilfer and, and get anything that he can from, from, uh, from, from any of the, the Germans or whatever. And here they're going to try and show that he's being tempted just by the chocolate.
1: Right. Yeah. And it doesn't like most of the rest of the movie is like an all for one, one for all kind of vibe. Like it's, it's funny that they would, you know, kind of create this come, you know, this kind of division or potential division.
0: Yeah. Which again, yeah. I'm, I'm glad they cut it out. You know, that I don't know whether they filmed it or not, but you know, in the end it wasn't in the final version of the, the script. Right. And then Matt goes on to say that that's all the gift food of the, uh, from the, that's, that's the gifts from all the entire organization. Now. The organization is pretty big. This is not very many, you know, pieces of, of food to bribe with. Right. You know, like, yeah. I
1: mean, what they're do you not got there? A lot of, uh, They're not getting a lot of a lot of fun things from home. Yeah,
0: I mean, and they're getting, I mean, whether they're getting it from, from home or, or via the Red Cross or whatever it is. But, you know, they have right. two packages of biscuits, two coffee tins. So that's four things. Bovril is five. Cigarettes, six packages, which we discussed yesterday, the fact that it's pretty stingy that that they're only willing to give up six packages of, uh, of cigarettes among all 600 <laughs> yeah. prisoners or or let' let's let's, let's uh, even say that only 200 of them are a part of this you know that, that's still six packages is not not very much, and then uh, uh, two different types of jam and then marmalade. So what is it that's uh, 245 11 12 13 14 it's 14 pieces of of food and and Henley adds in the Danish butter So you got 15 15 packages for the entire organization that that just sounds a little little low.
1: Yeah, I mean one thing I was thinking though also was that you know this could be a moment in time that you know maybe they've been doing this and like they've already you know, given up some of their stuff, you know, maybe it's an everyday occurrence. I mean, who knows? Okay. Know?
0: That's a very good point. I mean, he's, yeah. he's definitely not keeping it in his, clo- in, in Henley's not keeping it in his closet. Cause right. yeah, we can see his he closet. is pretty bare. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: maybe they were just giving him chocolate and he just ate it all.
1: Right. Exactly. I hope not. <laughs> uh,
0: I hope not too, because then we'd find his Yankee spread all over the, yeah,
1: all, that would be all bad. Over the
0: compound. Yeah. Yeah. They, they at this point. Mac then tells him what they need. You know, you, you're going to use all this stuff to go get things from, from the Germans or whatever it is. And, you know, we need a new form of the travel permits because the forgers don't know what it uh, looks like. And we're going to need any type of identity cards or other type of documents, papers, you know, anything you can get your hands on. Right. Which, you know, you, you'd think that this is something that you that, uh, would already know by now. You know, Henley, Henley is pretty adept at what he does. Yeah. So it's it's. I mean, this is this is obviously more for for the audience than for Henley.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, to you get, know that
0: they're trying to they're trying to show right us. and to
1: give us like kind of a parameter around the documents part of this, which becomes a pretty big one later. Um, yes, because of one of the characters. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, which we sort of discuss here a little bit. We we get almost yeah. to it right, by the end yeah. of this week. But uh, next week, we'll, that I'll discuss mm-hmm. that. Mac leaves, and then you have a, a fraction of a second. You see Henley picking up the bars of chocolate and looking at them, which is possibly something that was left over from, you know, the, that, that, that cut scene that we were talking yeah. about before.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say. What I were... mean, because if you
0: look at his eyes, yeah, hard... you see his eyes just, just for two seconds, but his eyes are basically saying, hmm, chocolate. Yeah,
1: maybe they felt like that was enough. They didn't need to go, you know, they, they would have the same uh, impact with just a look.
0: Yeah, but I, I I wonder how many viewers would actually right. notice that. I mean, we're noticing it because we're watching it one minute right. at a time, you know, watching that minute right. over and over. That that that's the the question that I that I wonder, you know, whether, yeah, we're looking at that again. Yeah, he just he's, he's pondering it. He's not really uh, doing it. Okay, so if you were in a POW camp, what 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 do you think the the type of, of food or goodie that you would want to have with you?
1: I think I'd go with the chocolate.
0: No, it doesn't have to be something from here. It's anything, uh, you
1: know. No, I know. I think I still would do chocolate.
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> Dutch chocolate or just, uh, yeah. or, or something else?
1: Uh, you mean, like, I'm, is this a modern day, like today or that? Obviously, modern I mean, day. I'm not going to you know,
0: you don't have to tell me that you want, uh, you know, uh, black crescent jam or whatever, or what we talked about last week. Black currant <laughs> yeah. jam, sorry.
1: God, what would I want if I only had yeah. one thing? Golly. Yeah. Well, it's not um, only one thing,
0: but what would, what is, you know, what would be the type of thing that you would say, Ah, oh, this is something I don't want to have to live without?
1: Um, I would like Nutella. Nutella's okay. really good. And that's good. You could spread it on things. It seems like a good choice for yeah. a frozen camp. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, See, I'm... What about you? I'm a big uh, Mike and Ike fan, you know, jelly beans, gumdrops, those type of things. Oh, Maybe uh-huh. even chuckles, uh-huh. you know, the, the those oh. type of things, so... That, that's what I want. And my, my second thing would probably be like uh, Twizzlers, you know, some sort of licorice or something like that. But. Uh, right. You know, I, I highly doubt that if I was yeah. in a German prison camp that I would have access to those things, you know, either via the Red Cross. I think you have more of a chance of getting your, your Nutella than, than I would have of, of yeah. getting, uh, you know, any type of jelly beans or gumdrops or uh, licorice. I uh, They're
1: cheap, at least. Right. It's you not know, a question of,
0: of the price, it's a question yeah. of. Uh, you know, being able to find a way to get it smuggled into you or sent to you or whatever it is. Yeah. Right.
1: No, yeah. right. All <laughs> right. So
0: we, we move into the next scene where we see Sedgwick standing in a room with four other prisoners. They're all uh, sitting. The, the, the four prisoners are sitting looking at a whole bunch of tin cans that are around them. And Sedgwick is looking out the window. It's, it's pretty interesting because a few seconds later, you, you start hearing them uh, singing. You start hearing singing from outside. Of the, uh, they start singing Christmas carols. Yeah. Now, now we've already established that that this scene is probably taking place in, let's say, May, June, something like that. So it's not really the type of time of year that you would normally hear Christmas carols. <laughs> but I guess it makes it a little easier to be able to 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 work to that type of uh, music, you know. And the only other thing I can think of them trying to be singing is "Hi Ho," you know, from from Snow White. "Hi Ho, Hi Ho, yeah. it's off to work we go."
1: Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, it's funny too because that, um, I think that little break, that shot before you know what's happening is like seven seconds, which feels somewhat like a long time to like not know what's happening as the viewer, mm-hmm. you know, and and so it's an interesting. I mean, I have to watch it again, um, but it's interesting that like they obviously didn't feel like I think. You know, modern day. You know, as a filmmaker, you're always worried about timing. Um, and with people, um, you know, watching things at home so much more now and streaming, like, and you know that their phone is right there. I think we would be very pressed to allow nothing to happen for seven seconds, like they do here. Um, and and but the other thing is, like, they obviously didn't feel that pressure for the whole film because it's a exceedingly long film. You know, <laughs> so I think that's, that's true. You know, there's a it's an interesting thing, and it it dates, it dates it in an interesting way to think about timing and cadence and um, uh and and that with this film and how they how they kind of deal with the timing. But this shot, I think, kind of you could feel that a little bit, especially because you don't know what's happening.
0: Right. Do you, Do you think that the, that this was fi- that these two parts of the scene are filmed together, or they they did them separately separately and then put them together afterwards? What
1: do you think? Um, I think they did it separately. You mean the outside and the inside?
0: Yes. No, where you can hear the music, you hear them singing.
1: Do you think
0: they were really singing where they're tapping in the room? No,
1: I think they were using probably a metronome or something to keep a beat. Uh, I don't think they they would spend
0: Please, please explain to me what a metronome is. <laughs> oh,
1: it's a thing that you uh, keep the beat when you're uh, learning how to play an instrument or maybe even uh, orchestras use it. I don't know if they use it, but bands would use it just to set the beat.
0: You mean like a synthesizer type of thing?
1: No, it's usually like a little, um, uh, uh, how do you put it, like a wooden kind of box. And then this ticker goes back and forth, like click, 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 ah, okay. click. You set it to a, uh, to a, you know, timing. To be able to
0: time them properly. Yes. Yeah,
1: so I think all they needed with this was the timing. I mean, you don't even know which one went first, whether they did this part first and then did the beat, you know, did the, how fast the song was sang or sung right. <laughs> uh, or, or the other way around. But if it were me and I was directing it, I would just say, I would plant my flag with a certain timing. And then I would make sure they were banging to that timing and, and singing to the same timing.
0: Right. Then it also begs the question, you know, whether this is the song that they originally chose to use or not. I mean, you know better than I do about the fact of how, of how uh, easy or difficult it might be to to secure rights to using a particular song. You know, I don't know about Christmas carols. You know how you know if they're if if they're considered you know copyrighted or or not
1: yeah um well, I actually have a lot of experience with that recently <laughs> because I just did a Christmas movie last year
0: yes um, that's true.
1: But yeah, some um it depends what it is and it depends the timing of of the film um uh there are a lot of Christmas carols that are now in the public domain that you can use the um Publishing for free, uh, which is what this would be, meaning the writing of it and the composition of it. Um, and then if you're going to cover it, which is what this is, it's a cover, right? They're singing it. Yeah. Um, that You don't have to pay for that because they're doing it here. So if it's a song that is in the public domain, this would be totally free. If it was a song that was not in the public domain, they would have to pay the publishing of that.
0: Well, I mean, I, I just looked it up and, and this this, uh, this song was originally written in 1751. Now, is, is the whole idea of public domain, is that uh, an issue of time? That a certain amount of time has to pass?
1: Um, I can't totally remember. I think some of it is, is time, and some of it is, like, if if it lapses, you know, probably something that old it would lapse anyway, but, like, you know, so say something was was in the twenties or something or the, uh, which my kids just, just reminded me the other day, we are now in the twenties again, which is kind of crazy. Uh, (laughs) Do we say twenties now or what do we say? Um, but anyway, like it, it, it's a function of time, but it's also a function of whether the rights had kept a, um, a chain of title. Um, I think I'm, uh, but I always leave these things to other people and it, and it creates a lot of back and forth with lawyers of many different kinds to make sure that you're not, in breach <laughs> of copyright, it's not there.
0: Right. No, I, yeah. I, my my question would be, you know, was was there were there copyright laws back in 1751 when they made this? You
1: know, uh, did, uh, uh, probably doubt, doubtfully. Um, yeah, so I think you know there, it's it's actually pretty easy to look up lists of public domain songs, so you could easily find out. But then, if you're really going to use it in a film like this or any film, you then have to have your lawyers triple check, you know, because it could just be wrong, but it's pretty easy to figure out on, and online what, what is and what isn't in the public domain, especially of Christmas songs and popular things.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. I just did a quick search and I got nine Christmas songs that are in the public domain.
1: Nice. Yeah, like Jingle Bells and like really, really big ones uh, Yeah,
0: Away in the man- Manger, Deck the Halls, Jingle Bells, you're correct. Silent Night, Up the housetop, up on the housetop, Toyland, The Twelve Days of Christmas, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, and Oh, Christmas Tree. Interesting. You know, again, I would think.
1: Yeah, we used that in my movie last year, Dear Santa. We used Jingle Bells. We used a Christmas Tree. We used um, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Like, uh, we were trying. There's more than that, even. There's, like, there's really a lot. Um, But a lot of them are religious, and we were trying to kind of stay in the more secular um, so it was, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good thing. So you'll notice, like, if you start keying into this, that a lot of movies will have, you know, especially We Wish You a Merry Christmas and Jingle Bells because they're so recognizable exactly. and they're free. <laughs> well,
0: how much How much is it usually? Yeah. Is there? Is there like a range of how much it costs to, to buy a song or it's just, uh, it depends on how popular the song is or whatever. It, it's a question of demand. Yeah, or it's very it's not, well. it's not like there's a set fee for, for buying a song?
1: No, it's this whole industry of itself. Like, you know, you could get a, like, so they call it like a side. So one side is publishing, one side is the master, mm-hmm. right. Which is the recording. So you, and usually it's um what they call most favored nations of both sides. So like if you're the writer and I'm the singer, we like, it's an industry standard that you get the same okay. as I get, you know? And so, um, so, you know, it could go anywhere from five hundred dollars aside, you know, so that'd be a thousand dollars total. I mean, I've paid twenty-five thousand no. dollars aside, you know, so fifty thousand dollars total. Um, and I'm sure there's more expensive ones than that. There was one song that we tried to get for a show I did for Disney Plus and it, I remember it was really expensive, but now I don't remember how much it was, but I think it, wow. it was.
0: Okay, good thing Disney Plus like has money for paying, to pay for that. Aside.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they weren't, it wasn't <laughs> in the budget. Um, But they also, you know, it's funny because, I mean, to your, to your question about whether it's how popular they are, I mean, I think definitely that's some of it. And it's just also like whether, probably I would think, I'm just guessing on this, but like whether artists want their songs to be super exploited or if they want to keep them back you know, so there's still kind of not everybody can use it. You know, so there's probably two philosophies or many philosophies, but some. You know, one is like, yeah, let's just get. You know, if we if we keep it at fifteen thousand dollars aside and it's a really good song, like, a lot of people will buy it, right? So you'll get all these opportunities for an income stream. But if you're, you know, if you kind of just want to keep it that only people who really, really want it, like, you only want oh, wow. one commercial a year to take it, you know, or something, you might put it higher. And then it just depends whether you want to scare people off or you want, you know, it, it you know, really depends. But a lot of these bands, I, I mean, and artists probably don't need to hem and haw over $50,000, you know, either.
0: Especially since most of these songs are probably used uh, quite often.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, and on this on the same website, it actually lists there's a, a list of seven songs that are still copyrighted, and and basically it shows that their copyright will, will lapse after 96 years. Oh, from when they were written. Oh, so you have Winter Wonderland, which was written in 1934, uh-huh. which will be in the public domain in 2030. Hmm. Then you have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, was written in 1939, so that then that'll be open to public domain in, in 35. <laughs> Frosty the Snowman was written in 1950. So we have until 46 for that one. <laughs> Jingle Bell Rock was from 1957.
1: Oh, that was in my last movie, too. We had to pay for that.
0: Okay, so that goes to 53. Rocking Around the Christmas Tree is 58. <laughs> so that goes till 54. Little St. Nick was written in 63. So that goes till 2059. And then Holly Jolly Christmas was written in 1964. So that elapses in 2060.
1: Ah. So they're saying, according to that website, that that's the only, like, no matter what happens after 96 years. So that's interesting. So you only have 96 years to exploit that. If that's,
0: if uh, that that's the way it sounds here. Yes. I, you know, yeah. I'm I'm, you know, as a caveat to everyone listening, I'm not an expert on this. You know, <laughs> I just found a, a library website that uh, that discusses these things. So hopefully hopefully the information that they tell us there is is correct, right? <laughs> and and still up to date. But if not, it's still fun to to look at. <laughs> so as we were saying, the you know you, you have all of these these four POWs working in under the Cedric the manufacturer, and they're. They're basically banging to the beat, playing to the beat of "Come All You Faithful," which they, they they do it really well. I mean, as we discussed earlier, the odds are they they didn't do it you know simultaneously on both sides. They they make it look quite believable the way that they're doing it, you know, as if they're really listening to the to the to the caroling outside. Yeah, I little that. And then, uh, yeah, then we get a shot of the outside where we see Cavendish doing a nice job conducting carolers. Yes. You know, very enthusiastically, you see his arms moving in very enthusiastic uh, gestures. And then after that, we see Frick walk up and Frick gives him a little bit of a look. Cavendish looks back at him also in a very strange way, you know, which we we understand that what he's doing is basically, uh, you know, keeping an eye out as to when uh, any of the guards are, are walking by. Yeah. So I I thought that was done really well and and they give us a great shot of of the of the the outside of the camp. You know, you, you see...
1: Yeah, I really like that shot and it's it's a little different like uh, they use some kind of a slider, I think, or you know, it's a very fluid um pan. Uh and and I love that about this it's, it's pretty atypical in this movie. There's not that many like that. Um and they go through, you know, it's just it's a bit of an interesting shot, I think. You know, because it goes through um through the choir, you know, to the conductor. Uh, and then you have people behind them. Like they do a really nice job of, you know, layering the um, the shots here. You know, you have the foreground, you have the choir in the middle of the frame. You know, medium shot ground. You have um, the conductor. Then you have people walking by in the background and then even farther back, you have the forest. It's, it's just really a nice yeah. shot.
0: That, that, that's the thing. I, one of the things I love about this movie is that it is so detailed, you know, it, it, yeah. it in some ways it, 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 it screams out that this is a movie that, that they, they actually wanted people to do what we're doing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, forget about what we're, we're not faking it. Everything is here. Take your time and you you you're going to you're going you're gonna to get so much joy out of out of watching and and picking up on so many things and we're not faking anything. You know, in a lot of movies they they, you know, yeah. they they will add things in, you know, to make it seem as if something else is something greater is going on, but it's really not. And they do it.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, the other cool thing about the shot too, which I didn't really think of before is that the beginning of the shot, you know, in the on before the move, I think. Oh, no. I mean, it starts, let's see. It starts on the static. No, I mean, it pretty much starts moving right away, but like the fact that you see the building for the first part of the shot connects you very specifically to the, to the people inside. Right. So, I mean, we have no idea, obviously, if that, if that's really, they're really inside that wall, but it it totally makes you think that they are right, right outside.
0: Well, I, I think cool. my guess would be that they really aren't because, you know, uh, Sedgwick is looking out the window at first, and when when you sort of see them, right? It doesn't look like there's really a window when you see that part of the building, because it's it's the door. There are steps going up into the door.
1: Uh, yeah, it's hard to. Yeah, I mean, hard you hard can see that, that
0: there must be a door there, but there isn't a window, so maybe it's maybe it's on the side. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah, I can't hold it up. Maybe to that maybe much, that is me. a
0: door that he's standing yeah. by. Maybe yeah. Maybe it's just the, the window of the door. Hmm. Interesting. No, actually it's not a door. It can't be a door right. because he's in one of the one of the bedrooms. So the, the bedrooms don't have a door going outside. So he is looking out a window. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe he's across the way. No, he couldn't yeah. do that because then also he wouldn't be. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> Okay, So do you have anything else to say about this minute?
1: No, I think we covered it.
0: All right, great. So uh, do you want to tell everyone how they can uh, get in touch with you once again?
1: Sure. They could um, go to my website, um, Dana N Nachman, A C H M A N. Dot com. And they could read about my movies or contact me or anything.
0: All right, great. And while you're doing that, you can go and you can rate, review and subscribe on any podcatcher that you might be using to listening to, to listen to this, uh, to the show. You can send me an email at uh, thegreatminute at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. And uh, our Twitter account is greatescapemxm. So until tomorrow, tally-ho.
1: Tally-ho, thanks.